Welcome to another episode of Web Dev Weekly, the weekly podcast about web development. I'm Brad Garropy, and I'm Richard Gottlieber. And, and I this am week, GitHub Copilot. Welcome oh no. to the coding session. I will take over from here. Well, what's up, Copilot? We were going to talk about you this week. It's kind of awkward that you're suggesting what we do already. So, Brad, I'm pretty awesome. <laughs> so, Brad. GitHub Copilot. It's the new hotness. It's still in beta. It's kind of an open beta now, limited open beta. And we've both kind of had a chance to play with it a little bit. Yeah, what? when did you when did you get access? I was on the like beginning, the end of the beginning wave. <laughs> so I think I've had access for about two weeks. Okay. Sounds about right. I'm, I think I might be three or something, but I haven't played with it that that much, but it just kind of seems to pop up, you know? Yeah. So if you're not familiar with it, real quick, GitHub Copilot, it is based on OpenAI and it takes code in GitHub that's publicly available and uses that to kind of infer what you might want to type next. It's like code completion on steroids. Yeah, and it's it's really cool because it's baked into the editor. Uh, I, I think from what I understand, the only editor that supports it is VS Code, but that's that's how it gets kind of injected in there is through a VS Code plugin that you gain access to once you've been approved for the beta. Yeah, and I think that this type of tooling is more of what we're going to see ever since Microsoft acquired GitHub, right? So Microsoft now has a super popular editor, access to all of this data when it comes to code, and they've got a big old server farm out there for their Azure platform. So they can do a lot behind the scenes when it comes to training up models for AI autocomplete. And I don't know, first pass, like when you see this and you see like their little demo on the Copilot webpage. They write a comment and then Copilot just spits out this entire function and it's perfect. Yeah, I think that's one of the really cool parts about Copilot. Like it doesn't just autocomplete the line that you're working on or like the statement that you're working on. You can stub out a function with arguments and it'll, it'll use the name of the function to try to populate the body. Or you can write a comment and it'll try to extrapolate that comment and the goal of that comment into code. My first experience with it, I got access to the beta and my dad actually teaches at a community college and he has a programming course that he's teaching and he's using C for that course. I haven't done C programming since college. Like it's been a long time. I don't remember most of it. It was amazing. Like if you put a detailed comment in there, it spits out a function that works really well. <laughs> and it'll get you at least 90% of the way there for very simple stuff. Again, like this was kind of like intro to programming. So it was very simple use case, you know, and it's very, probably very common across code bases to have these very basic beginner functions and stuff like that. So giving all those caveats around it, like it's definitely helpful. I don't think there's going to be a point in the future anytime soon where it's going to be like, oh, hey, I used to be a developer, but then GitHub came along 
And now people just pay for Copilot access and the PMs write comments and it spits out perfect code. Yeah, you definitely still have to know what you're doing. Um, I've seen good implementations of functions and not so good implementations of functions. And and I think one thing that Copilot does that isn't optimal is write code that's very understandable. A lot of the times I think you'll see it spit out incredibly efficient code, but maybe not code that like is well commented or is easy to read or has spaces between chunks of logic that you might want, things like that. And we have no one to blame but ourselves for that, Brad, because it's only as good as what's put into it. That's true. Like, so let's talk a little bit about, you know, where it gets the code that it runs on and, and all the languages that it can speak, quote unquote, right? Copilot has access to all of GitHub, which is language agnostic, right? GitHub has everything, Python, JavaScript, TypeScript, Ruby, Go, C, whatever. And uh, Copilot can look through all of it to train with that open AI, which I'm not super familiar with, and come up with all of these like AI models to autocomplete and suggest code. Yeah, and I have seen too. So it's based off of GitHub. And while on their... On their page, you know, they mention that it works with every language you love. They specifically call out Python, JavaScript, TypeScript, Ruby, and Go. Those are the ones that it does really well with. Now, I've been writing Rust lately. It works pretty well with Rust. It's not perfect, but it works pretty well. It's definitely one of those things where it's a good co-pilot, to use its name, right? Like, it's good at kind of just giving you the little reminders, just a little tap on the on the brain space where it's like, oh, hey, you need to do this little thing or, oh, hey, you forgot to put a type in here. That type of stuff, it may not get the right type always and stuff like that, but it does a good job of pointing out what you need to do. And we mentioned that it was like across all of GitHub. I did see somebody on Twitter recently who was writing a blog post in VS Code in Markdown and Copilot was suggesting what the next line of text should be in their blog post, which is amazing, but also creepy. And I don't know, Brad, have you ever seen the GPT-3 text output where it will write entire articles? Yeah. And like there's an article about why you should not be afraid of robots killing us. <laughs> yeah, like that. that is pretty wild. And I, I, that's funny. I was writing a blog post the other week and totally like Copilot was almost completing my sentences for me. And another thing that I found that it was really good at was writing like readme documentation because it knows how to format things and what you're probably going to say next. And I'll just kind of talk about some of my other experiences, some that were good, some that were bad. Uh, I was doing some Svelte a while back and you can definitely tell that Copilot has a much more limited training set of information on Svelte because it's not quite what you would expect. It tends to spit out like just some vanilla JavaScript stuff that doesn't take advantage of Svelte specific syntax. Yeah. On the flip side, uh, I will say uh, I was recently working with PHP and I'm not a PHP developer whatsoever inside of the context of Magento. And I didn't need to be a PHP developer. Like Opilot was running so well for me in that case that I was writing comments. I was using what it was suggesting and it was totally like writing the code for me it was pretty amazing in that case yeah they even say that right on their website code confidently in unfamiliar territory 
And I do think like that's, that is a huge benefit to it, right? Is the, it isn't going to hold your hand if you're a brand new dev to get you everything that you need. If you have that experience though, and you're like, eh, I think I kind of understand what's going on here, but I'm not exactly sure how to do this next bit. That's where it really shines in my opinion. A uh, good example I had, right? Like doing some, I forget what I was working on, something where I was changing the CSS and I forgot how to do some text formatting in CSS. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to Google this. I'm just going to put a comment in that says, you know, change formatting to this and then hit return and see what happens. And boom, there it was. Like it took care of it for me, which was, it's great because you don't have to like switch out of the editor, go to Google, notice that you have notifications on Twitter, go check Twitter. Notice that like somebody commented on your Instagram post, go check Instagram. What was I looking for again? Oh yeah, that's right. CSS. What's CSS? Oh yeah, CSS. Googling. Okay, now I'm back. You know, you just stay right there. And it's kind of like having Stack Overflow or Google built directly into your editor specifically for code stuff, which is great. Like it gets you close or exactly where you need to be, depending on like how well it's doing. Let's talk about language. that. Like how have the auto completions been for you? Like what, what do you think your acceptance rate of the first suggestion is? And do you use that pain that gives you many suggestions? Oh, I didn't, I, I didn't even know there was a pain that gives okay. you many suggestions. Yeah. So, so, so there's, like I don't use that. <laughs> there's a keyboard shortcut or there's a little co-pilot icon down in the bottom right of your visual studio code screen. And if you click on that, anytime there's a suggestion that's coming up, it'll give you like four or five more in a pane on the right hand side of your editor. And you can actually use other keyboard shortcuts to cycle through suggestions. As cool as that is, I'm the type of user that's like, if the first one ain't right, I'll do it myself. Like I typically don't go searching, you know, but generally the first one's good enough. Or again, it gets me close enough to where I can modify it instead of like going and looking at other suggestions. Yeah, I don't, I'd say it's close to like probably about 50, 50 where it's suggesting is correct. Um, I know a lot of times it's close enough that like you can just kind of type along with it and change things in the line as you go to make them be mm -hmm. correct. It's like not you just use like, it, you yeah, use it as autocomplete as you type almost. Right. It's not a full, like just hit return, fill out the whole line for me. Thanks copilot. It's more of, it gives you the skeleton and you flesh it out as you go across that line, which is really nice because it's, you know, it's kind of like giving you a little bit of a guide, which is fantastic. First impressions, we're both like really impressed with it. And again, this is like a a beta piece of software, right? It's only going to get better. I am curious like what the implications are having not read the EULA because who reads those? Probably everybody should. I don't always do it. I'm like, ooh, new shiny toy. Let's play with it. How it gets better at doing its job, like what kind of feedback it's getting as you're using it. You know, if it's anything like some of the products that I work on at work, uh, there's probably eventing built in to say, hey, this user picked the second suggestion or the third suggestion instead of the first one. Change your model to take that into account, right? There's got to be a feedback cycle in order to make it better. And then granted, yeah. the more code that's being produced and committed to GitHub, the bigger the training set is. So so I think it's going to improve in, in both ways. Yeah. 
I do kind of wonder about things like this, like thinking about even things like Grammarly and GPT-3, for example, in this, what is going to happen as these type of tools catch on to like, I don't know if code smells is the right term, but like best practices not always being implemented and things just like, this is the way we do things because Copilot said so. And it kind of training itself on bad habits and then people thinking, oh, well, the computer told me to do this, so it must be right. And that bad habit being put in, like, I don't know. I'm curious to see in the future, like where this leads. Another thing, like looking at the languages it's good at, well, if you want to use Copilot and like you've gotten real familiar with it and you get to choose, hmm, do I do this backend in Rust or Node? Well, Node has better Copilot support, so I'm going with Node. Like if that will kind of limit the, if it's like a self-selecting limiter for like what ends up being in Copilot, right? Like the more stuff that's written with Copilot in the languages it's already good at will increase its proficiency at those languages. So they'll get better. You know, it's just like building a search engine now. It's like, good luck catching up with Google because they've got a pretty big head start. Yeah. Uh, I actually just found some information about their telemetry on the website, copilot.github.com. And telemetry is kind of like those events that I was talking about. So it says it does send information about what suggestion you accepted or rejected along with a small snippet of your code so that it has contextual information about what it was you were trying to accomplish and, and what you accepted or rejected. So that makes sense. But that does say some of the stuff you're writing is going up to copilot so let's say you're working on like a private repo or something for work maybe you should double check that right because it's it sounds like it's transmitting some of that actually up uh, to the github copilot service and you know i know um my job hasn't made any limitations about what i can or can't use and who knows maybe some other companies might be trying to make some rules and regulations about using copilot because it might be leaking you know company specific code that's intended to be private yeah it does say that if it's code from a private repo it will not be shared with other users they use it to improve the model okay and that it's you know encrypted in transmission and when it's stored so again if you're using github as a company, you're okay with someone else holding your code for you. So, you know, I guess that goes with part of that. I am jealous. I have not used it at work. It'd be interesting to see how it works with the code base that we have. One of the one of the kind of concerns that, that I kind of thought about and that I read online was somebody was like, hey, what does this do to like open source library code? For instance, think about something like date functions or, you know, moment or lodash, right? If all it takes to get the difference between two dates in milliseconds is now a, you know, GitHub Copilot call away, will we stop installing those NPM packages? So like the, the, the common things that do get extracted, like all the downloads on those might halt if everybody uses Copilot. And does that de-incentivize the publishing of open source stuff? If Copilot's just going to kind of do it for us, scoop it up out of our repos, identify common patterns, and then, you know link that to comments kind of what do you think about that i can see for simple use cases like the date stuff maybe i'm not sure i think it would depend on 
if, I don't know, it's an interesting question. I think it would depend on if you want to completely control that stuff or if you want to just outsource that work to whoever made, you know, like moment and just accept the way that they're doing it too. It would make it easier to do it yourself. I think a more interesting question would be given how well this works down the road, thinking about like package optimization when it comes to looking at what's actually used in your code base, right? You could have the AI just scrub through your code and go, hey, you installed this entire package. You're literally using one function. I extracted that and put it in your own little functions directory and got rid of this bloat. That'd be pretty cool for sure. Yeah, because you like when you download a library, you're getting possibly and most likely a bunch of other stuff that you don't need. If you stuffed it with Copilot, then it's it's only what you wanted. Yeah. I'm just going to put this out there. If anybody from GitHub's listening, call that ground crew because it sounds really good to go with Copilot. I don't know why, but <laughs> free ideas. That's awesome. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about the process of signing up for the beta. I know it was, I don't know, kind of straightforward, but I just wanted to walk through like what happens after you got the email type thing. So the very first thing you do is go to copilot.github.com and there's a big sign up button right at the beginning. You'll essentially authenticate through GitHub and wait. I think it took what, two to three weeks for me to actually get the next step in my email. How long did it take for you? I think it was probably on the three to four weeks. It felt like forever. It reminded me of being a child and collecting uh, stuff from cereal boxes and then you send it off. And an eternity later, your decoder ring comes in the mail and you'd already forgotten that you'd you know, sent that off because it was forever <laughs> ago. Six to eight weeks is a long time to a child. And I guess, you know, three to four weeks is a long time for an adult. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so... Basically, when you get the email, it's essentially an invite to a private repository called GitHub slash Copilot Preview. And I was like a little confused. I was like, what is this repo? Like, what am I going to do with the source code? But essentially, I think it just adds you to some list with a GitHub action. Like, I'm assuming that's what happens, right? They're like, oh, Brad Garrett, just joined this repo. Let's run this GitHub action because there's a new person invited and add them to like the approved users list of Copilot. And essentially the readme on this on this repository is just like a, a link to say, you know, install the VS Code extension and here's a quick getting started guide. And that that's about it. I really think it was just a way to like manage user flow and onboarding to the copilot service. Yeah, it was pretty it was strange but very easy and smooth. Yeah. And I do think too, like thinking about Copilot itself, I like the fact that it just kind of sits in the background and does its thing. You know, it's it's very, the extension itself is very unobtrusive where you, it feels a lot like code completion just got a whole lot more powerful and it's just there and it works. Yeah, like it doesn't feel that much different than autocomplete to me. Like it's not so jarring as to be like, holy cow, what's in my editor? What's this robot doing here? It's mostly just like, oh, it's auto-completing, but like a whole lot more than it used to. So looking at this VS Code extension, and we'll we'll link all this stuff 
um, in the show notes. The the place to go to sign up for beta, as well as the VS Code Marketplace extension. Uh, but there's only 240,000 installs. There's not that many. It's still kind of fresh. Of course it is. Yes. I mean, everything's still in preview. Yeah. I am curious too, like if if they're doing a limited preview for this, because like what the what the load on their side looks like as they're training and updating and retraining their model, like how much compute time that's taking on their side as well. I, I would have also assumed they probably did a ton of work like upfront for all the training and modeling, right? So now it's just like deltas maybe. I don't know. Yeah. We talked about like all the times where Copilot is awesome and and everything works and you love the suggestions, but do you ever feel like it gets in the way in your editor? So I don't, and I think it's because it's just the grayed out text like on the line before you start typing and it changes. It's not like, I don't know what it's called. In VS Code, sometimes like this, the pop-up box pops up and yeah. like you can't see the line above or the line below and you're like, what is this garbage? It's probably some setting that I have that's really dumb that I should just turn off. I don't know. It hardly ever helps me, but like that little info box that pops up, man, that thing annoys me. Copilot, it just kind of sits there and is like, hey, I'm here. If you want to hit tab, this is what I got for you. If you don't want to hit tab, just keep typing and I'll keep trying to figure out what the heck you're doing. <laughs> you know, sometimes I go the opposite way. Sometimes I find myself getting distracted reading what Copilot is suggesting, mostly because it changes so often, you know, because it's constantly reevaluating what you're typing. And I get, I feel like I get distracted sometimes when I'm not like specifically aiming towards like a co-pilot driven autocomplete. Hmm. So I've had, that. I've had like thoughts of like only enabling it in certain languages or only using like a, a specific hotkey to bring it up, but I haven't pulled the trigger yet. I also haven't disabled it yet. So I'm just kind of riding that line to see how it turns out. Yeah, I can see that. Like I can see it being distracting and annoying. Plus the fact, sometimes you're like, why is it doing that? Should I be doing that? Oh, no, no, no. It makes no. you, it makes it's, you it's second confused. guess. Yeah, yeah, it makes you second guess your own code. Like, if the machine said it, it could be better. And this goes back to my point of, like, what it's going to make coding look like in the future, right? We're like, no, 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 you don't understand. Code, code reviews in the future. No, you don't understand, Brad. This line is correct because Copilot wrote it. And you're saying... Yes, you know, yes, indeed. Yeah. Like, you know, Copilot is the way. <laughs> so I can, I can see that being something that like, you know, the, <laughs> like the battle between the old, the old gray beards and the new, the new kids with their co-pilot fanciness. Back in my day, we had to punch cards with a, with a hole puncher. That's how we programmed none of this fancy, fancy little co-pilot computers programming themselves in a, in a poppycock. I don't know, but I can see that being, you know, a, a discussion in a code review in the future of like, well, Copilot suggested it, so that's what I went with. You know, another call out that we should make that I started thinking about is Copilot is also available in GitHub code spaces. So this is turning into like a really, really cool, you know, developer experience environment that Microsoft is creating where GitHub is a source of truth. You click one button, you get an editor that runs in the cloud with Copilot running on that editor. That's almost everything you need beyond a full development environment running. You know, that's 
pretty cool. Yeah, I've I've messed with code spaces a bit. I have this dream of doing all my development work on an iPad. I don't know why. The keyboards aren't as nice. The screen's kind of small compared to my monitor. But there's just something nice about it. I remember back when the iPad first came out, or I guess not first came out, but like when the iPad mini was a thing, I figured out how to hook up like a full-size keyboard to it and got a terminal emulator. And I had like a, I think it was a Linode VPS server that I would like SSH into. And I'd do a bunch of coding stuff on there. So the idea of being able to do all your development work, I think it's just the the freedom of being able to do it on any machine is what I really like. But like those services are going to cost money in the future. Right now they're free. They're going to cost money. But I think flip side is like, then you don't have to have a dev machine. You could just like buy a cheap old Chromebook and boom, there you go. Oh, hey, your like work could supply you with a machine if you didn't have one. Or you could just be like, no, I'm good. I can open up a browser window on my personal computer and then there's nothing work related on my computer. Yeah. You don't have to worry about any of that. Like it all stays on the remote servers. No big deal. Now, I knew Code Spaces was going to be like a paid feature, and that's basically why I stopped playing with it, because if I liked it too much, I'd be mad when it got taken away. But have you heard anything about Copilot being paid? I, I was under the assumption that this was going to be something free. No, I haven't heard anything about Copilot. I was speaking just about the the GitHub Spaces. Yeah. And like that makes sense, right? Because you're, you're using the, their computer. It's like everything. I don't know. I think it's always going to be free for public repositories to work Code. out of. Code spaces, yeah. I think so. I think I read that. I may be telling a fib. Let me uh, to the Googles. So through the magic of podcast editing, we were able to do a quick Google search, and it turns out Code Spaces is going to cost money for everything, it appears. There are alternatives like Gitpod, which will allow you to use them for free. It's limited to public repos and 50 hours a month. So it's limited but it's basically the same idea as code spaces. I think this is the kind of thing though, that you're going to see going forward will become more normal. A big plus I think is like open source projects. You can just have like everything set up for dev work and you just launch the space or I guess get the pod for Gitpod, and you're set up, ready to go. You can submit your PR right there. Everything's good to go. All the versions match up. Life is good. Yeah, a previous guest on the show, Todd Austin, actually uses this GitPod for his open source contributors on his Canvas project. And he really, really loved it. It brings up the dev environment as well as your editor. Yeah, but and we, I know we've gone way off track from Copilot. It's like we need somebody in the seat next to us giving us directions on where to go. You should probably get back on topic and wrap this one up. I'm going to hit tab on that one. So thanks for tuning in to Web Dev Weekly. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe in your podcast player and check us out on Twitter. You can find our handles in the show notes below. We also have a Discord community. The link to join that will also be in the show notes. See you next week. Bye.